Why don't you open up in Ephesians, please? You know this portion of Scripture, Ephesians 4. If you don't know who I am, my name is Mark McKinley, and uh, it is really great to be able to open up God's Word as we continue the gift series. And uh, so we have these lights, this installation, and I don't know where you are at. Maybe you're the bright light, the round light, the tall light, the skinny light, uh, whatever light you are, God wants to use you. God will use everyone and anyone. Doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter where you've come from, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your qualification or lack thereof. God is a God who chooses people who make themselves available. I love the fact that even God would come and handpick Moses, where Moses disqualified himself hands down, was the prince of Egypt, but yet would find himself looking after sheep at a time. And most of us would pretty much trying to redeem. If I was Moses, I'd be trying to find moments to sort of rekindle some of my stately position. Like I actually do, do not know who I am, but yet he's just tending faithfully the sheep of his father-in-law's sheep, actually. Not even his own sheep. And he finds himself looking at a burning bush. I just want to say, and this is totally off track to what I want to speak on this morning, but I think sometimes we're trying to look for the burning bush. So often in the Christian faith, it's like we're running after the burning bush, but we're not tending to the sheep. We we leave the sheep behind and we run after the burning bush, desiring for God to speak, desiring for God to show up, which is all great, but yet actually God calls us to be faithful with the mundane. The things that aren't the lights, it doesn't bring any stardom, it doesn't bring anything glorious. The, The sheep that stink and smell and you know, do their thing. And, you know, God calls us sometimes to be faithful with these things, day in and day out, the mundane of our lives. Yet I think so often we're saying, but God, I, I, don't, I haven't signed up for this. I've signed up for the burning bush. I've signed up for something of that aha moment. God, actually, let me just neglect this, Lord, and just run after the things that I deem to be more important than the sheep. I don't know if that's for anyone this morning, but I really feel that maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to be reminded that God is in the mundane. God is in the day-to-day. God is in the tending sheep moments of your life. Let us not run away from that trying to pursue something that ultimately only God can bring. Ephesians 4 verse 11, it says, and he, who's he? Who's he? Christ, thank you so much. And he, Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. I want to stop there for a minute. Today, we're going to be talking about the prophetic. Actually, not just today, but next Sunday as well, we're going to be talking about the prophetic. And uh, I, myself, and I, if that's something that you say, I know Ruth was at a production, and there's that me, myself, and I moment that she has to say. But I recall as a 15-year-old in Durban, Gravel Racecourse, DLR Hall, if you're familiar with that area, a church called Glenridge was meeting, and as a young teenager, 15 years old, I was in this meeting, and they had this moment for the prophetic to be outworked, and so we all got into groups, and we started to pray for each other, trusting that there would be prophetic words for everyone in the group, so we took turns, you know, we prayed for him, prayed for her, then it got to my turn, and I remember just standing there, and all these adults around me, and they started to prophesy over my life. That moment as a 15-year-old, I can still remember, it's clear as day, all the, the prophecies were written out afterwards, typed up, probably on a typewriter, but typed up, 
and were given to me. And I remember that from that day onward, it pretty much changed the course of my life. I remember receiving something of this rhema word, this truth of just like, is this really what God sees in me? Is this really what my future looks like? And it was a profound moment. And from that day, everything in my life changed. The desires for what I wanted to become changed. Every decision from then on was based on something of the marker in the sand. This moment in my life where God said, this is what I'm calling you to. I remember being in business and being offered the business. I was in the business for 10 years and being offered the successful business. And I remember grappling and going, God, I remember you said something there. I remember just referencing my 15-year-old self. I remember, God, that you spoke about a future of ministry. Does this tie in, God? Is this something of what you've placed in my journey, God? Should I be purchasing this business? Should I be going into business full-time? And maybe, Lord, maybe you missed it a bit in that moment. I remember just coming back and going, God, I, I just can't. I get, went to my boss at the time. I said, hey, Pete, man, I just can't. He says, are you crazy? I said, I, I know, but I, I really feel this is what God's called me to, that this isn't it. Something of what the ministry is that looks like something of what I'm doing today, I can't deviate from that. Maybe this is a season of just doing business for a season and just figuring my life out. And maybe God's shaping me and, and knocking off the jagged edges. But I believe that one day I'll pop out the other side and, and something of what was prophesied will take place. I remember going out with Meg uh, before we were married, and I was sitting in the car with her, just grilling her. It wasn't anything romantic, trust me. I was grilling her. I was just saying, do you believe in church planting? Do you believe in tithing? Do you believe that God has called us to sacrifice it all and to go to wherever He calls us to? And there she's sitting like, this is, this is amazing. And I'm just like, I feel so, ah, this is amazing. And I remember it was like, based on this, I, I, it was so clear to me. It's like, if this woman needs to journey with me based on what God has called me to, man, she better be the right lady. And she had some questions for me too, trust me. I'm just having... I remember my grandfather coming and saying, what's this ministry rubbish? He said, you should go and study something. So just in case it all doesn't work out, you can fall back on something. And I was like, really, must I go study, be an accountant? I just can't work it out, you know. Accountants, they don't seem to be that charismatic. <laughs> I just don't know if that's my thing, you know. 27 years later, something of that referencing constantly to go, God, this is what you said. Yes, okay, am I, am I still tracking God? Yeah, yeah, something of that word, yes. And there's been many words 27 years along the journey where God has reaffirmed, 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 reaffirmed. And it's been moments where I've deviated, where my desires have longed for something else and God has had to bring me back in line. Maybe he's allowed me to go around the mountain again and again for 10 years in business or for eight years in a different church context or maybe five years in another church context just to reshape and reform and there me frustrated, asking God, what's going on, God? And I'm re referencing the prophetic word, referencing the confirmations of those words. And yet God says, I still have you on the journey, Mark. Just be patient. Just be patient. So based on this incredible starting place of if Christ is the one who gave the apostles, if Christ is the one who gave the, uh, the prophets, the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers, then we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention. 
So if we are referencing the prophetic, I'd like to carry it in verse 12. It says, the prophetic there is to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. In other portions, it says fully grown, to the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro from the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. I love that, isn't it? I remember my dad saying, Mark, just grow up. Like actually you're thinking like a child now. You've been tossed to and fro. Just grow up. Stand on your own two feet. Grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part, this is so important, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When every single person in this room is working properly in the gifts that God has called them to, there is a strengthening that is taking place. All of a sudden have a reason to have a left toe. Little toe, I mean, like, you know, the little guy. My one, it stays off the ground. I actually don't know why it's there, but it sits just off the ground. It doesn't touch planet Earth ever when I walk. But it's there for a reason. If you cut it off, I'm sure I'll fall over. But it's at every single one of us. This is what this portion of Scripture is saying, is that as the prophetic comes and ignites and empowers and starts to spark life in us, every single part as we start to minister together, because that's what the prophetic is doing, it's coming and it's equipping us so that we would prophesy, that we would encourage, that we would articulate something of what God has placed in our hearts for others. As that is taking place in the body of Christ, what is taking place? There's a maturing that's happening. When we are muted, when we do not operate in the gifts God has called us to, there are those who are not being equipped. There are those who are not hearing maybe the affirmation of God's word upon their lives. Maybe there is a lack of maturity that has taken place because we are waiting for Sunday morning when someone would stand up in front of us and to articulate what they have prepped for the week. But actually the body of Christ is every single one of us throughout the week and weeks and months and years empowering each other, equipping each other because of this portion of scripture so that we would one day all stand together and as we worship collectively, people that would come would say, surely Christ is amongst them. Because the body comes healthy. The body comes mature. The body comes because in life groups around our city, in our uh, frequency times on Friday night, in men's groups, ladies' groups, whatever, cycling groups, every different area, people are encouraging each other in meetings across the city. People are encouraging each other through Scripture, teaching each other, uh, uh, challenging each other. Why? Because we desire for the body of Christ to be mature, that no one is muted, but everyone has a part to play. One of the biggest mistakes we can make as followers of Jesus is to believe that, the, that prophecy is something exclusive. Oh, no, no, it's for them. It's for Isaiah in the Bible. He's the one who prophesied Jesus is coming. Or maybe it's Jonah who has to go and prophesy against Nineveh. Wow, what a tough gig. Or maybe it's John in the New Testament who sees heaven open up, but not for me. It's like the gap between myself and what I see in Scripture, or the gap that I, 
between myself and those who are prophetically inclined seems to be far too wide. And I believe this morning and next week, God is wanting to bring us closer to a place where we realize that God, as He spoke to Isaac, as God, as He spoke to Moses, as God, as He spoke to all these individuals throughout Scripture can speak to me. That He can reveal Himself to you and I in the environments that God has called us to. Are we still there? All right. So if we want to be more like Jesus, to be shaped and equipped and matured into being more Christ-like, then we need to awaken desire. We need to awaken desire. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I trust that even as God is taking us as a local church on a journey, as He's taking us uh, on a journey as individuals, that we would be awakened to the desiring of what God has for us. To close the gap between what we see and what we read to what God has called us to live out in this place. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 Paul says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. There's a, a desire that comes as we earnestly desire. There's an instruction to earnestly desire the gifts. These spiritual gifts of words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, distinguishing between gifts, tongues, but actually carries on at the end. He says, especially that you may. So you need it. You need to awaken desire to all these spiritual gifts, which most of us would probably sit and go, wow, that's quite intimidating. Like interpretation of tongues. When last did you interpret a tongue in your board meeting? No? Okay. It says, yeah, you need to earnestly desire the gifts of healing. When last did we pray for someone? Don shared a great testimony this morning. But when last did you meet someone at work and say, let me just pray for you because I can see you're not well? It's like earnestly desire, you need to awaken it. It doesn't just happen. How many of us love waking up in the morning for a good run? I see one hand right there. That's the best altar call I've had in a long time. But actually, in this moment, you have to awaken a desire to say, you know what, for the sake of a better me, I wake up and run. For the sake of a better, maturer me, I need to exercise something of these gifts. I need to awaken and allow God, as Paul is saying, to fan into flame something of the desire for these spiritual gifts. But he ends off with this one, especially that you may prophesy. I love even at the end of that uh, chapter, verse 31, it says, For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and be encouraged. We love being encouraged, don't we? I love being encouraged. I'm sure you do. Like when last did you get a text from someone or a WhatsApp that was an encouraging word? And we looked at it and went, how inconsiderate. They really chose the wrong time to send me this word of encouragement. You wouldn't do that. Why? Because you would receive it. Doesn't matter if you're busy. Doesn't matter how much you're rushing, what's happening. A word of encouragement is like food for the soul. And that is something of this prophecy. So when last did we encourage people? When last did we come alongside and say, actually, what Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to do, so do I want to step into a place where I'm slowly encouraging those around me. Sam Storm says, the most important and most challenging spiritual gift to practice and employ is the local, in the local church today is for the edification of all in the body of prophecy. 
So let me say it again. The most important and most challenging spiritual gift to practice and employ in the local church today for the edification of all in the body is prophecy. So let's just tuck in here. I've got three points I'd like to highlight this morning. Um, It's what is prophecy? Where do we see prophecy in the Bible? And what sort of things do prophets say? So number one, what is prophecy? Prophecy appears many times throughout Scripture, but not, but nowhere does it define or in a sense explain exactly what prophecy is. The dictionary defines it as a, a, a prophecy is a message that has been communicated to a person by a supernatural entity. Sam Storms carries on and says, I define prophecy as the human report of a divine revelation. Prophecy is the speaking forth in merely human words of something God has spontaneously brought to mind. So as we speak in this moment, something spontaneous takes place. God fills my mouth with something of the words that would be supernatural in this moment. Sam's highlighting is that a human report of a divine revelation is ultimately what prophecy is. So if God had to use me right now to prophesy, then what I would say would be a divine revelation and insight delivered in a very natural way. It's not thus saith the Lord, even though that could be, but it's naturally, I'm a natural human being, I speak English. I don't speak King James. When I speak to you, I don't suck and blow while I'm speaking to you, do I? And I know where I'm going. I'm sure you guys do. Something doesn't just come upon me that all of a sudden I'm become someone different. I'm still Mark McKinley, but yet I'm allowing something of the supernatural to take place in my life as I execute or as I communicate something of the life of God to you. I don't become weird. And I have to be tread cautiously because I've, I've grown up in churches where that's the case. And that was deemed to be anointed, powerful. And so I'm not trying to dumb down something of what God has done throughout history through powerful men and women who have allowed God to use them. But all I'm saying to us as common ground is that we are normal people who serve an extraordinary God. That means that His extraordinary needs to come into my ordinary and allow me to execute something of His extraordinary through my ordinary so that lives around me would be touched by the extraordinary power that He is using me with. And so what that means is that the gap slowly comes in because you say, well, I'm not that person. Well, why do you say that when actually that person should be as ordinary as you and I? That actually I can step into the space and I can trust God. Yes, you can. I can believe that God can use me. Yes, well, according to this portion of Scripture, the prophetic gifts are there to outwork itself in a community, to build up the community so that all of us would be able to prophesy. Often people will say, well, I want to hear God speak just audibly. I just want to hear him speak. Rather, just speak, God. I don't know if you've been in there, but I've been there many times. But the question I have to ask is that maybe God is speaking, but you're just not listening because God is using the ordinary people around you to speak. Uh, Many times I've done that. Man, we've gone on a journey of trying to seek God 
years, years, decades. Every holiday, God, what are we doing? Help me. Speak. And then I'd get a text and someone would say something like, oh, that's just Jimmy, you know, <laughs> Jimmy. What does he know? You know, you carry on, God, come on, come on. And then a phone call. Oh, but that's just Susie, you know, well, just Susie. She's a bit unusual, so what does she know? She's gorgeous. Oh, sorry, Sue. I'd, I'd like to just stop the meeting right now and just welcome Riggs and Sue. So good to have them here with us. <laughs> anyway, all right. So let me choose another name. If you're like me, there have been many times when I've pushed people's encouragement one side and not actually try to say, God, is this you? I remember a lady who came up on a Sunday morning once, never seen her in my life before, and she arrived with a piece of paper at the end of the meeting and she said, I believe I need to give you this. I have to be honest, I judged her right then. I said, what have you got to give me? I literally, in my mind, said that. And I took the piece of paper, I put it in, the, in the, the, uh, my bag, and I carried on with my after-service connections with people, after meetings. And one of the elders came and said, did that lady just give you a piece of paper? So I said, yeah. I said, oh, that lady, she's, she's a bit off the rockers, you know? Just, you know, can't really trust what she says. And so I said, oh, that's fine. My judgment was correct. And I went home that afternoon, and I said to me, well, let's open up the piece of paper. And let's read what she has to say. And I started to read, and she literally nailed exactly the things that we're trusting God for. She had articulated in a portion of uh, this document, and I was humbled to the point of saying, God, surely you have spoken this morning. Let us never undermine what God is doing amongst us through the people he chooses to use. And it doesn't have to come, as I said, with a thus saith the Lord. It can come with a, a text message, someone coming up, putting their hand on you and encouraging you. I also want to encourage us that actually God is speaking. And He should be speaking to every single one of us every single day the minute we open up the Bible. The beautiful picture I once saw was a preacher who said, if you want to hear God, then just open up the Bible because there's His mouth, it's speaking. The mouth of the Lord is speaking, and so often we want to run after prophetic conferences and prophetic moments and prophetic, but God says, I want you, Mark, to hear what I have to say to you through what I've called you to read, because my mouth is speaking. It's a powerful picture. In Mark 13, 11, I love how Jesus even comes and he says to his disciples, preparing them for the persecution that is to come. We should not fear persecution, church. Because even the disciples were encouraged after the visitation of Jesus' resurrection, he would encourage them to go out and say, when you are, in verse 11 says, and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in the hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. I can just imagine how relaxed these disciples were. It's like so often we sit and go, well, I don't have what it takes to communicate a word of encouragement. All I encourage you to do is just show up and allow the Holy Spirit to use you. There's been many times that I've brought prophetic words over people where I literally pointed someone and I don't know what I'm gonna say, but I just feel like God is calling that person with 
the pink earrings, and I, I'm just choosing you right now because you've got lovely pink earrings, and literally as I say that, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm just going to go with it, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you move. And in that moment, things start to take place as the prophecies start to fall out of my mouth and people are encouraged. All right, number one, what is prophecy? Well, I trust that I've highlighted certain things of what prophecy is. It's God speaking, God using us, God using his scripture, God using words of encouragement. It's all these things. Number two, where do we see prophecy in the Bible? Well, I don't think you need to look far. It's pretty much everywhere in scripture. Everywhere in scripture, from Old Testament to New Testament, we see the incredible God of the Bible speaking through people. He didn't just audibly speak the whole time. He used people. Abraham, right from the beginning, was called by God prophetically to go into a future where he would leave everything he had into what God had called him to. What about Joseph? Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, this amazing man who would be used by God to interpret dreams, his own dreams and the dreams of others. Interesting dreams where even he'd see that the cornfields would lie down and would bow. Well, that's his brothers. And then that incredible one where it's like the, the thin cows would eat the fat cows. It's like all these weird dreams. And, 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 and at the time, he was used even to speak into the, the cupbearer and the baker who were in prison with him just to interpret their dreams. One was a positive outcome, one was a negative outcome. What about Hosea 12 verse 13? Speaks about Moses as the greatest prophet who brought Israel out from Egypt. What about Amos 3 verse 7 saying that surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. How many times have you said, God, if you would just write it on the wall? How many of us have said that? Yes, okay, one honest person. That's a scary thing to ask. Because in Daniel's time, King Belshazzar was having a banquet with all his people. And just think of this, this hand appears. It's not the Adams family. I'm just putting it out there. But it says that this human hand appears. These acts are parting it up. And then all of a sudden it's like, yo, I've had a lot to drink, but man alive, I'm seeing a hand like just floating next to the wall. Can you imagine that? And this hand starts to write on the wall. I can just imagine the whole party coming, crash and burn. What on earth is going on here? And the, these words start to appear on a wall. So never ask God to write something on the wall because actually they bring Daniel in and Daniel starts to interpret what has been written because none of the magicians, none of the wise men of the time could. And God uses Daniel powerfully and he starts to interpret what has been said. And unfortunately, it's about the demise of the kingdom that Belshazzar was ruling at the time. John the Baptist comes and prophesies the way of Jesus. Jesus Christ himself is the greatest prophet of all time, and we know that. What about Peter, Philip, and, uh, who, in a sense, God uses in the beginning to establish something of the, the church in its infancy? The reality is that God has always worked through his people prophetically, from the Old Testament through to the New Testament and all the way through to today. The pattern we see in Scripture is a reminder for us today, reminder us that God still speaks. And as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, that he desires that everyone would prophesy. The prophet Joel speaks of the end times. I love referencing the Scripture because it says in Joel 2 verse 28 in the ESV, it says, And it shall come to pass 
afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What will be the result of the pouring out of his spirit where the spirit of God comes upon us in our times of worship, in our times of gathering, in times of meeting? What will take place with your sons and your daughters shall prophesy? Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. How many of us are sons in this room? All of us. All of us men. How many of us are daughters? Who is excluded from this? No one. While the old men are dreaming dreams and the young men are seeing visions, God is reaffirming it by everyone who is speaking into it the prophetic utterances that God has called them to speak. My last one is this. Number three, what sort of things do prophets say? Prophecy in the Old Testament was very different to that which we see today. Prophecy in the Old Testament was really just God using prophets to speak judgment and correction and direction into His people Israel, to in a sense reveal something of their debaucherous way of life, to reinform them of God's intent and what God was calling them to, being in a sense a stop sign to most times or a guiding sign or a direction sign to direct them the ways that He's called them to. But ultimately, today we find ourselves as, as God has poured out His Spirit at Pentecost upon His church and establishing His church, prophecy is now a ministry given to the church to encourage and mature believers as the church is established. I'd like to call the musos up just as we end off. So what sort of things do prophets say? Number one, they remind. They remind us. Prophecy reminds us of the call and mission of God for our lives. Always calling us to more. Always setting in place what God has already spoken over our lives. Reaffirming, as I said, as a 15-year-old young man, God has reaffirmed in a sense. He's reminded me, He's reminded me over and over by using multiple people around even the, the world to remind me of what He has called me to. Acts 13 verse 1 to 3 says, Now there, there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers. It carries on in verse 2. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. It was like that 15-year-old moment where it was like God was saying, Set apart for me Mark McKinley. Set apart for me Rigby Wallace. The prophecy, the prophetic would come and say, Set apart for me my people. Put your name in there. God is setting out. He's reminding us that He is still in control. He's reminding us that He is still God, that He still rules, that He still reigns, that actually He has a hope and His hope is going to be outworked in you and I. He's reminding us of that. That's what the the prophetic gift does. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called him. Maybe even this morning you've been called by God, but you find yourself way down one side. And this morning, God wants to bring you back. And so I want to remind you again of what I've spoken. I want to remind you again that I still speak. And I want to remind you again that I will continue to speak, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I understand that, God. But God, it feels like I have forsaken you. I have left the journey. And God says, I want to bring you back to a place where I'm reminding you again that what I said many, many years ago, over 30 years ago, still stands today. It hasn't changed. Number two, they encourage 
Acts 15 verse 32, and Judas and Silas, that's not Judas Iscariot, but Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. I remember sitting in a meeting in Maritzburg in an interdenominational church worship leader moment, and you never know what can go down in those places. And at the end of the meeting, I, I felt, I saw this woman and I, I just started to minister to her. And I, I said to her, I, I feel like I can see this, this beautiful bedroom, high ceilings, wooden floors. I see something of the drapes, these beautiful drapes. And I can't remember the color, but I expressed it. I told her about how the cupboards looked, what color the walls were. And I said to her, I see you sitting at the window looking out, weeping, longing for your daughter to return. And this woman was weeping. I didn't know, I'd never met her in my life before. And I said, I believe that God is coming and He's going to rekindle something of a relationship that you have with a family member. And, and then you start sort of throwing that in. I'm not sure if it's your daughter who it is. And we prayed for her. After she came to me and she said, you do not believe what you just said. You've just described my daughter's room. The color, the wooden floors, the draping, even the shutters that you spoke about that were open. Last night, my daughter decided that she didn't want to live with us anymore and she was leaving. And tonight you speak of her return. She left that moment incredibly encouraged. I don't know whatever happened, but God would choose a moment in a woman mother's life to remind her that he is still in control of her daughter. Number three, prophets, they illuminate. I'm sure there are many of us in this room that would love to receive a clear direction on how to move forward in our lives. Like clear, we desire it. Yes, that's wonderful. And I believe God can through the prophetic. I remember ministering in the UK once. And at the end of the meeting, I, I saw this lady and I felt like God had a word for her. Again, one of those moments, you just don't know what to say. And I started to speak over her and I said, I, I see you dealing with very fine metals certain costly stones, certain things you're having to shape and mold. Costly, like very, very costly. Unique. I see customers coming, desiring you to design things that only they want for, for themselves. They don't want to go to the normal shops to buy it. They want it from you. And I continue to describe something. And then after that, I, I started to speak about a new season that God is calling her to. After the service, she came up to me and she says, I don't know if you were speaking to anyone, but do you know what I do? And I said, no, I, have, I don't know what you do. She says, I'm a jewelry maker. But the jewelry that I do is not like your normal rings that you find. Customers come to me and they specifically submit designs or ask me to design specific jewelry for, for them. And I've been resting around the future of this business. I did not know what a decision to make because ultimately I felt like my season was done.
But this morning you've spoken to something of what my future looked like. And again, these are the questions I've been asking God. And today I've been awakened again to the possibilities of a new season. God uses us to illuminate the lives of people. Daniel 2 verse 22, when speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, it's a reminder to us again because he was interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And he says he reveals deep and hidden things. Who's he speaking about? God. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells within him. Can we all stand this morning? I'm trusting that next week that we would afford the opportunity of the Holy Spirit to come, that we would allow the prophetic to be exercised in our gathering. I don't know what you're feeling, but I, I feel something of the presence of God even right in this place. Lord, we desire for you to speak. We yearn for you to speak. We long, Father, to hear your voice. One of the greatest privileges of being sons and daughters that are spoken of in Joel is that, God, we can stand here and we can hear you speak. I pray even now, God, where, where maybe, Lord Jesus, as if, Lord God, the heavens have been brassed to some in this place, I pray in Jesus' name that you would unlock it again. That, Father, again, we'd be a people, of oh God, that long for your presence. As Paul said, that there'd be an earnest desire, Father God, for what you have for us. I pray, God, that, Lord, you'd start a groundswell within us to go, God, we desire so much more that, Lord God, we can hear you again speak clearly into our hearts. And, Father, maybe for some, Lord God, we have allowed, Lord God, the culture, Lord God, to shape and mold us to the point where it feels like we've been sidelined on the gutters of life experience. I pray this morning that, Lord God, you would come as the refiner's fire and you would make your voice clear again in our hearts. Awaken our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. And I just wanna give the opportunity of anyone here who has never given their lives to Jesus. You've said, I've never surrendered my heart to the one who has been glorified this morning. Is there anyone like that this morning? I wanna give you the opportunity to say, today I wanna surrender my life. Anyone? I'm sure we, many of us know each other, but maybe there's one person here who's saying, that's me. If it is you, I'd love to pray with you afterwards.